WIOX is supported by you and the following underwriters. Rick's Tire Service, family owned and operated on State Route 30 between Roxbury and Grand Gorge. Tires mounting and wheel balancing for cars, trucks, lawn, garden, farm, and construction vehicles. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday, 8 till noon. More information at 800 LG Tires. 800 LG Tires. Home Goods of Margaretville, corner of Main and Bridge Streets in Margaretville, New York. Now carrying spices, flour, jams, mustards, coffee and tea, organic vegetables and fruits, and local eggs, milk, cheese, and baked goods. And, of course, cooking basics and tools of the trade for everyone at home. Home Goods of Margaretville. Open every day. 845-586-4177 or hgom.net. Sounds Good Music House, the record shop on Main Street in Andes for new and used vinyl, including new releases and rare titles across all genres, as well as turntables, mid-century furniture, and original artwork. Sounds Good Music House buys used records, too. Open weekends and any time the doors open. More information at 845-676-6233, 845-676-6233, or soundsgoodcatskills.com. You're listening to WIOX Roxbury on FM and the Catskills, on computers and smartphones at WIOXradio.org, and on MTC Cable Channel 20, now with enhanced audio. listening to WIOX Community Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM and MTC Cable Channel 20, 107.5 FM on the campus of SUNY Delhi and everywhere at WIOXradio.org on computers or smartphones and also with the Radio Garden phone app. This is From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest-related topic with Ryan and John. 
John, how's it going? Things are good, Ryan. What's up? What have you been up to? Oh, I've been working on a drainage project around my house. So it's my free time has been eaten up by that and kept me out of the woods mostly. Well, that's not from the forest. But John? I did get a chance to slip out and turkey hunt one morning. Did you no shoot, birds. No, you didn't shoot anything in the face? No, nothing. Didn't even hear anything. But uh, I did find something cool, and uh, I found my first morel mushroom. And? It was delicious. Awesome. There's only one. And, uh, you know, it was not in a site that I would have gone looking. Not that I know much about morel mushrooms, but a little bit of research I did. People find them commonly in river valley bottoms near uh, dead and dying elm is common or old apple orchards abandoned. So mm. it seems like decaying wood tissue is a is a must. Yeah. And uh, But this was at 2,200 feet on a hillside. Oh, pretty high. Pretty high, I thought. And right smack dab in the middle of a log road. No kidding. That hasn't been harvested since... Uh, I don't know, about 15 years or so. So, I've only found one myself. I'm just not looking for mushrooms that time of year. No, me either. You know? Uh, honestly, the only reason I found it, it was uh, in the middle of a patch of leeks. I was, my eyes were glued down to the, the leeks. Oh, yeah? Yeah, but it wasn't growing amongst them. It was in its own little circle where there's no leeks growing. Speaking of leeks, I found some leeks in Columbia County. And just want to say, um, we don't, that's outside Catskill Forest Association's. Um, administrative area but once in a while we'll entertain it and we'll go and uh this member's out there near ghent that is an agricultural area yeah yeah what are they producing um fruit and uh beef hmm. cool yeah i mean a lot of orchards <laughs> and uh serious agriculture going on there I, you know south of there into Dutchess, it's more horse farms and in our area farming's become uh pretty scarce but not in columbia so hmm. it's pretty cool to see Neat. yeah but other than that, I don't know. What have I been up to? Um, you know, I'm still messing around with hides, deer hunting from uh, deer season, tanning, tanning hides. Um, yeah. Okay, the, the caterpillars uh, are pretty bad on my fruit trees. The eastern tent caterpillar, which make houses or tents in the crotches of fruit trees, they're, they're pretty uh, abundant this year in my neck of the woods. <clears throat> I've noticed them on cherry Little cherry saplings all over the place in Delaware County. Yeah. yeah if you want to kill them, uh, it's better to do it when they're small. And thuricide, which is uh, BT, Bacillus thuringiensis, is totally organic and only kills Lepidoptera or caterpillars. So um, did you spray? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That worked? Oh, I don't, you won't know for, you know, a day or two or so. Oh, you just did it? I just did it yesterday. Gotcha. Yeah, it's pissed me off because I mowed the lawn and I just sprayed cowan clay. So I already did that, you know, and then I see these caterpillars and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Hmm. So you could have had that mixed in before. I guess, you know, I, I'd have to mix it. In a, if you want to know if two chemicals can be sprayed at once, you, you mix them in a in a cup, you know, on a smaller scale and see if they gel or not. Hmm. I, I, I didn't try it. So I guess I could have maybe. I don't know. Save some time, right? Yeah, save some time, but I don't know. It... it you don't need to spray as much. I feel the BT as Callan clay. You need to, you need to do a lot to get everywhere. So let's so. address this uh, this frost we had last Wednesday. You probably talked about it last week, didn't you? No, no, because it wasn't as apparent. So the frost damage, <laughs> mulberry, my little mulberries got hit, um, and magnolia, planted magnolia, got hit. 
But then the native species are uh, oak got nailed and ash got nailed. Very yeah. good. Yeah, they were the species that were just barely popping buds, little tiny leaves starting to grow. And I guess they're tender enough to get killed. Yeah, they're just coming out at the wrong time. Looks like apples, for the most part, escaped frost damage on the flowers. It seems like it. Mine definitely did because they were already set fruit at 840 feet elevation. Up here, the flowers were out, but I feel like they were already fertilized. So that's what I found. I was really worried about mine because they were out and my petals all got browned and frosted. I actually got up and looked at the temperature. I had 27 that night. It was 27 in Arkville when I got to work that morning. Yeah, so, so Delaware County saw 27. So that I was enough to do damage. If you had 27 at night. Yeah, it was at like 3:34 yeah. a.m. It was it was 27. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so by 6, could have gotten down to 26, 25 maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe. You know? Maybe. I, uh, I'm surprised I got it at all because when I left my house, the truck thermometer said 33. Mm. So I was like, that didn't happen. Yeah. And then I'm mowing the lawn uh, a week ago because uh, I can't believe I mowed it a week. And, yeah, I'm noticing black all over. I'm like, that's frost damage, man. Yep. So it must have slipped a degree or two. I wouldn't think it would make a difference on, on leaves being at 31, but I guess it does. You know. Well, I mean, it looks like my apples in my yard, they, they got pollinated before. Even though the petals got frosted off, Yeah. they're all bulbous and swelled up and looks like they all got pollinated. So. Gypsy moth is out uh, in places, especially in uh, lower elevations of, Sol- of uh, Ulster County. I've noticed, like, Stone Ridge area, Rondout Valley. Um, I think my white oak has a couple, a few on it. Not Nothing too bad. But uh, So, yeah, that stresses the tree out. Healthy trees can take defoliation, whether it's frost or caterpillar damage, you know, two, three years in a row. Uh, unhealthy trees won't. That's usually the rule of thumb we go by in forestry. Right. So. But barring other stressors, too. Barring other stressors like uh, last year's drought, that didn't help. You know, it was pretty dry. Uh, so, they're, you know, they could be recovering from that. Getting frosted off and already having to grow a new set of leaves. Yeah. You know, sycamore always gets anthracnose, it seems, where it gets this fungal thing, and then it refoliates. So some trees, they just they get it every year, and it doesn't seem to bother them. Mm-hmm. But uh, if they have something else going on, like John mentioned, like contributing factors of gypsy moth and drought, well, then it matters, you know. So their sight, the terrible sight, you know, too wet, too dry. But um, tonight's topic is Ryan's walk on the Schwan- on the Schwanlink Ridge. I'm Ryan, so uh, my walk on the Schwanlink Ridge. The reason why I did it this year, I usually don't do a May trip. I do a fall trip. But last year I had surgery and was unable to do any trip, which really pissed me off. Um you know, mm-hmm. and uh, so, so I needed to to make it up, and I decided to go back to my home range because you know I don't get get to go to the Schwangs as much as I used to, so I did that, and uh, it was nice to get back. There's nothing like the Schwangs Ridge, or as some people may call them in the town of Shangum, Shangum Ridge, right? Just to confuse the ever living daylights out of you. Uh, or some people who I do not associate with call it the gunks. I refuse to do that. It's lazy. But, you know, the dax, the gunks, just the kills. What's next? Jeez, the schwangunks. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, 
yeah, it's just I don't really uh, go up too many trails or anything like that. And there's only so many places you can camp in the Shuangunk Ridge. Uh, they just don't allow it. But um, the the weather was perfect for it. It wasn't too dry. It had rained the day before. This is an area that burns a lot. So you know, the older I get, the more nervous I get about things that never used to bother me. But if there was a fire up there, and there was last year, it would run pretty fast. There's just so much litter um, and and uh, fuels up there to burn. Mm. But it was damp the day before, so um, I said, you know, this is going to be perfect. It's going to be dry the next day, but I'll get to why that can be a bad thing later on in the show. But um, so the black flies aren't too bad either uh, because it was the, the first day I got there, it was in the 50s. Actually, it was a little cold. I mean, I wasn't going to have fire or anything. But um, it was a little too cold. It was windy as hell, and this cold front was moving out. So getting 20-mile-per-hour gusts, I'm exposed. And uh, it's not a wooded area like, like you think here in the Catskills. We're talking about, you know, kind of pitch pine that grow like eight feet tops, mm-hmm. maybe more like four to six. So it's and I'm camping right where the view is. So I'm getting the full brunt of the wind. I'm like kind of like, and I hate wind. I hate wind. Like I really dislike it. But you, you just want to hear, and you know, yeah, I hate like being out in the Hudson River or something for too long. You know, it's nice to go once in a while, but the ocean. Forget, I'm not a sailor. All right, I like the woods. So there was a lot of wind, but then as that moved out, it got actually the view went away. And what I learned is, I was talking to a forester before this, I guess some of that is coming from a fire out in Canada somewhere, British Columbia or something out there? I had heard something about it was, them. You couldn't see, and I, was, I couldn't see that, I could not see very far at all. I'm not going to say where I was, but I couldn't see very far at all uh, across the valley. Could be. I listen to a podcast that's based out of Montana uh, weekly, and this week's episode, they were talking about how much smoke they had from Canada fires. I believe it, because... Um, I could barely see across the Ashokan Basin, hmm. which is not not far from where I was. So that was something. And I could barely see across to where I live. I could see the mountain, uh, Mumbakas and Ashokan High Point, but they were pretty blurry. And again, there's only one valley se- separating me from, from there. So uh, definitely something going on there. Um, but as that moved out, it got kind of more humid throughout the day night and um in the morning i was like damn it's gonna be sunny and guess who comes out after rainy cool days followed by hot sunny days yeah snakes rattlers man but at least the black flies weren't bad so so let's go into the plants i saw we'll just go by some cool things i've seen on this trip basically uh first of all low bush blueberry is flowering there's bees everywhere buzzing away what a lot of people don't realize is when you think of blueberry, you just think of the typical blueberry you find in the store, and that's low bush blueberry. And there's high bush blueberry in the swampy areas on the Schwalm Ridge. There's also like I remember there was a guy from Minnewaska State Park Preserve set up a little table at the Blueberry Festival in Ellenville. There's like five to eight at least different species of blueberry. Oh no, really? Yeah, and you know there's huckleberry, which is a true huckleberry. They're like dark. Mm-hmm. So there's so many varieties of blueberry on the on the Shuangunk Ridge because it's burned for thousands of years by human beings. Really cool thing. But mostly there's low bush blueberry. And you got to be careful because you can't see through them. 
Um, and that's where the snakes are sometimes. So you kind of stick to the rocks, you know, because it's easier walking anyway. But, you know, the rocks hold those cold-blooded little guys there too. Okay, so the worst thing in the world is mountain laurel. And this mountain range is becoming inaccessible in so many ways. Um, I mean, first of all, I just feel like you can't access You need, You need like – like I walked in from a different area, but you need reservations now to get in. And – and it's so, so thick. I had a friend who writes books about the Schwank Ridge years ago, and he has pictures from the even as recent as the 80s. And it was so less, much less dense, so much more pitch pine and blue, lobus blueberry and nothing else growing. Now it's so dense in there. Of what? Mountain laurel, sweet fern, sassafras, red maple, and, and even red spruce and white pine coming up from the wet areas. Wow. So it is just so dense. But the mountain laurel is hell on earth. If you like mountain laurel, it's probably because you've seen it from your car flowering. And I get it. That's awesome. Or from a carriageway, as they call them, that the Smileys made back in the 1800s. They're beautiful carriageways. There's these roads that were made in the 1800s by hand that you can ride your mountain bike or on or walk or run, and they're beautiful. They really are cool roads going through the mountain. But to see Mount Laurel from them is one thing. When you have to walk through these things, <laughs> and I've talked about on the radio show before, you will come to hate Mount Laurel. But again, I think that's what inspires human beings to burn the ever-living ever daylights out of the mountain so it's passable, one, and two, so blueberries come back. And actually, Laurel needs burning every 50 years or so. All right. So, Mountain Laurel bushwhacking or balls and fur? I would say uh, Mount Laurel's worse. Mount Laurel's worse. Yeah, oh. because it it tangles. Balsam firs is um, predictable. It's always straight. Right. And you can squeak through them, which really sucks. They just tear you up. At least you can squeak through them. Yeah. Laurel, it's, it, you can't move. And it, it happened. I can't believe it happened again. You know, I'm 42 years old. I bushwhacked enough through Mount Laurel enough in my life. And I always promise myself this will never happen again where I have to get down on my knees and crawl through Mount Laurel. Well, <laughs> this weekend there was a spot. I was trying to get find the perfect campsite, and I was like, I can't get through this. I have to. I'm okay. I'm crawling through it with a full pack on, and I'm like just laughing like this is bullshit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm crawling through Mount Laurel again. I don't believe this crap. Yeah, it's like it's like swimming through a net. It's terrible. Oh, my God. But anyway, whatever. It's there. And also, there's a lot of azalea. The azalea were flowering. You know what? Azalea gets a pass because I'm just – there's not as many of them, but beautiful pink flowers up on the mountain. I mean, they really are cool. I researched them a little bit before the show. turns out there's a lot of different azaleas. There's ones that grow in wet areas and drier areas, and I couldn't tell the difference of them. But the diversity up there is amazing. It really is. Service berries that already went to fruit or seed. Um, so there was that. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Oh, sweet fern. Sweet fern is one of the most fragrant things out there. I mean, I, I'm not going to try to explain what it smells like, but it, it just smells awesome. You know, to me, like when you, you know, you go up on top of a mountain around here, like if you go up on Balsam Lake or Slide Mountain or any of these big mountains around here. And you smell balsam fir. Mm -hmm. I mean, that rate 
right there is like, okay, I'm in the mountains now. It's a beautiful smell. Most people love it. I love that smell too. But there's a there's a smell that you get on top of the Shuangunk Ridge that to me brings me back home, and that would be the mixture of pitch pine mixed in with that low bush blueberry and sweet fern. There is no other smell like it. And it's so peculiar to that area. And uh, so that is equal to the balsam. It's just awesome smell. Um, I guess you could maybe even call it a southern smell because it really this ridge is like a it's like a it's like a northern extension of southern culture, like of, of fire and burning and pine and blueberries. You know what I mean? It's just such a weird anomaly in our New York landscape that people really take for granted and that you would never know is up there. Because when you're down below in the valley, you just see trees, but you don't know that there's this white rock conglomerate on top, like icing on a cake, with totally different vegetation. Vegetation that needs fire and acidity. And there's also plants that that are up there that are acid-loving that hate fire, like cranberry. Uh, you pick cranberries up there. You know, There's extensions of this in New Jersey. There's cranberry bogs, right, and blueberry. Mm-hmm. And there's some of it even uh, by, probably by the Adirondacks in New I've, Hampshire. I've picked cranberry in the Adirondacks. Yeah. yeah. But um, it's just a neat thing, you know. Cranberries are pretty pretty cool. I used to pick them and, and make cranberry sauce. You have to add a crap load of sugar. Right. They're very tart. <laughs> but when you do make it, it does. it is kind of something special, so, you know. Well, you're gonna say something? Oh, uh, well, isn't it, to fully you know finish painting that picture? When I you know I've only been out there a couple of times with you each time, but um, I just remember how shallow the soils were and how much rock is everywhere. Wow. You're just always on a boulder, on a rock, on a ledge. Yeah. So that's a good segue into pitch pine, and we got to talk about pitch pine. There's a tree growing on duff, like you said, duff. Yeah. Like just litter. And you, you just you can't, can't you put can't, a tent stake in. You can kick it off. Almost. No, you literally can't put a tent stake in. Mm. I'm not joking. So less than three inches. Less than three inches. For sure. For sure. And it's growing, you know. Uh, if you go on our website, you'll see some pictures of just pitch pine outstretched growing somehow. You want to talk about a surviving tree. It's pretty remarkable. Some of these trees, uh, according to, I think it was Dan Smile or whatever, used to age them from Long Preserve, they can date back to the late 1800s. Hmm. And they're literally shorter than you. Yeah. Amazing. It is amazing. I mean, it's amazing someone even counted the rings on that. Yeah, my father-in-law asked me about, like, the sizes of trees. He was like, you know, the trees are really tall around here compared to Rockport, Massachusetts. Rockport actually is very similar to where the Schwanck Ridge is. It's got that white rock and uh, very shallow soils. And I said that's because Rockport is so rocky that the soils are so shallow it's, it's similar to where where i'm talking about the heights can't only get so tall mm-hmm. you know whereas in the better sites they can get they can achieve taller we call that site index in forestry you know so uh just so on top of this ridge that i'm talking about has extremely low site index <laughs> pitch pine can get up to 60 feet if you just go down the mountain a little bit and they do but up on top It's called dwarf pitch pine, but they are the same tree. They are the most artistic-looking tree I have ever seen. So, um, but what? How do you identify it? Three needles. It's the only pine that has three needles per fascicle, or that bundle. White pine has five, and red and Scotch pine have two. Yep, those. But if it's got three, it's a pitch pine. Pitch pine, like a pitched fork. Three, three points. 
Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, that's I didn't, that's a good one. White pine five. W h i t e five. There you go. Red Do we pine. We have one for red. Red pine rhymes with Ed, which says two letters. E D. Right, now, now you're stretching. It. Those are the ones that <laughs> the pitch one I did not know about. Yeah, those are the acronyms that I was taught. Hmm. That's amazing. And one of the scotch I can't remember. Is it? One of them breaks apart, and the other one doesn't. I forget. That's just basically a shorter white pine fascicle. They're like half the length or two-thirds of the length. Okay. That you're looking at scotch pine. Because they also have yeah. five. Oh, yeah? I believe so. Scotch pine or no? No. Two. Sco- or two. Yeah. Right. No, two. that's I mean, half of red pine then. Yeah, half of red pine. Yeah, they both have two, but... Um, They're just not as long. But one of them, I remember, you can break you can break apart easier than the other. I don't... That's how I used to remember at the ranger school. Um, the cones are serotonous of pitch pine, which means, you know, they need heat to open up. That's pretty cool. But this is a weird tree in that there was a fire last year. The whole slope is burned, and the only thing surviving is pitch pine. And as you and I saw, too, many a few years back when there was another fire... Same was the case, right? The the red maple got burned off, and and the sassafras went away, and white pine just got its butt kicked, right? Mm-hmm. Freaking hemlock, screw you, right? But pitch pine is a weird evergreen, and it sprouts on the on the trunk, which is like not normal for evergreens usually. Well, mm-hmm. hemlock does it a little bit, but but uh, pitch pine has water sprouts. They call them, mm-hmm. you know, it's called commonly. Yep, it's it's a weird thing, you know. I don't know what to tell you. Um, red spruce. We're going to talk about red spruce next, and this is something that's becoming more common in the in the Schwank Ridge. I think that used to not be. So uh, the only thing we're really missing tree wise in the Schwank Ridge is balsam fir. That's like the only tree missing. But there's another tree growing that you said uh, what's growing in more now, and that I left it out. I said sassafras and uh, sweet fern, or sweet fern is a shrub. And um, this white pine hemlock coming up is black gum. Black gum grows like a weed up there, especially in the wet areas. So black gum, red spruce, and hemlock are in the wet sites. But uh, black gum is is also known as pepperidge up north. And uh, it has beautiful scarlet red leaves in the fall, can tolerate wet sites, can grow one of the oldest, longest living trees there is, but slow growing. And somehow can make a living... On the ridge. What about pretty amazing? What about oaks up there? Yeah, there's oaks. There's there's all, red oaks. All of there's them, yeah. there's uh, another shrubby oak called um, bear oak, mm. which needs fire. Gotcha. Um, very difficult tree to identify if you're not used to it. Uh, there's chestnut oak, but that's more on the slopes. Where I was on top, you're not going to find as much. On the little deeper soil, it's going to be straight chestnut oak. In fact, the Schwank Ridge has some of the largest stands of chestnut oak in the world, I think. And chestnut oak has really thick alligator-like bark, thick, almost like black locust. I don't know if alligator would be the right. Yeah, that would be the right. Just blocked out. Blocked yeah. yeah. And that thick bark makes it fire resistant. And uh, that's, you know, that's why there's so much of it to this day. But um, I already talked about cranberries, um, but that's something that's, that's pretty cool up there. But um, up next, we'll talk about fire. You know, some of the things I saw from burned o- recently burned over areas and, unfortunately, more so areas of places that, that didn't burn. If you ever leave 
imagine you will It'll just be me and Hooper Just the way to an evening star If you close your suitcase Get in your car Drive down the road In the mud or the dust Over to the river Casey or Bust If you ever go I'll be here still Getting an all At the Whipper Mill Getting an all Unable to sleep The dust too dusty Oh, mud too deep I'll follow your dust Or I'll follow your tracks Out to the hard road And I'll bring you back Greg Brown, uh, the song is Whippoorwill, and I'm going to talk about the Whippoorwill here shortly, uh, something extremely unique to the Schwangunk Ridge. Tonight's topic is Ryan's Walk on the Schwangunk Ridge, and this is from the forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest-related topic with Ryan and John since 2010. All right, and uh, remember, you can go, you know, go online on Catskill Forest Association's website, and all these shows are archived there and Spotify and Podbean, right, John? And elsewhere? That's it. No, oh, okay. that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking about um, now forest, you know, uh, with fire and without on the Schwank Ridge. Fire is not as prevalent as it used to be. Before the 1940s, this area was burned by locals 
uh, well, first of all, thousands of years burned by Native Americans. And this has been uh, – there's evidence of this by – I think her last name was Pettit. She may have even been on our radio show. And she did uh, sediment studies in the nearby lakes, which is Lake Awasing, I believe, and Mohawk Lake, and found that there's charcoal in them dating back thousands of years. So we know Native Americans burned this, this area a lot. And it makes sense because it's surrounded by three large valleys, and fire usually burns uphill. So when you burn from the Esopus and the Rondout and the Hudson or Walkill Valleys, it goes uphill. It's pretty safe compared to other areas, and uh, it makes excellent blueberries. And uh, so that's why it was burned so much probably. But really the uh, the locals, Americans, continued the practice until the 1940s. And there's a smiley road, and there was blueberry. There's uh, one-mile, two-mile, three-mile posts, four-mile posts. There's actually a store up there, and they would have blueberry shanties and camps up there. And families would earn their – a summer income live up there all summer long these are truly mountain people which is kind of a, of a unique thing meaning they were there and lived up there for months and um, buyers would come up from the city of new york and buy blueberries and this is before refrigeration so you needed fresh blueberries and take them back to market once refrigeration comes out and smoky the bear and contributing factors like that and culture turned against them the fires went down um even other mountains burn, too. There's local families that burn to Shokin High Point, which if you've been up there in the Catskills, that is a pyrogenic landscape of blueberries. And, and to this day, it's still open and has beautiful views because of those those Americans who burned up until the 1940s. And this has been repeated in many uh, local areas in the Catskills and other mountain ranges throughout the northeast, eastern United States. But so when looking at this area that burned last year, Oh, my God. It's like heaven. As a bushwhacker, you look at that and you're like, man, that's nice. Yeah. Because there's nothing to walk through, you know? I mean, it's hell on earth in some of these spots. It's just pitch pine and charred soil. And if you dig into the soil, it doesn't burn at all. So the seed source is all there, and it's going to come back pretty fast. Most people would deem a fire an ecological disaster, and you're, you're calling it heaven. It's, it really is, um, you know, and as we had a forester from the Forest Service on a few weeks ago, it lengthens the growing season and it makes it ripe for a lot of wildflowers that need a longer growing season. It, put, it for, you know, adds fertilizer and potassium back in. It, uh, it favors shade intolerant plants, of course, and also fruit and nut bearing trees. And, and pitch pine is kind of the poster child of fire, as we already mentioned. But let's talk about the um, we've talked about these things a lot in the past but fires like i said are becoming rare and now it's becoming so thick up there that red spruce is jumping out of the swamps Mm. and up the ridge i mean i have pictures of red spruce growing right next to a pitch pine that is like the west side story that is is happening in the forest you know it's like whoa whoa (laughs) Know your, know your, slow your roll here, Red Spruce. <laughs> but it is because there hasn't been fires. Hemlock as well. Hemlock does not take fire very well at all. So you're seeing it jumping out, black gums jumping out. Whereas probably since humans have been burning for thousands of years, these trees like hemlock, black gum, which, you know, it means water nymph or something, uh, Nissa sylvaticum, I think is its, is its uh, Latin name, and Red Spruce have been totally relegated to those swamps you know and water courses and little streams but like i said they're jumping out so you know eventually i think a fire will happen 
But the fires might be hotter than they normally would be because there's so much fuels building up. Sounds familiar, doesn't it, John? Sounds like Western uh, problems. You know, out here we're kind of lucky that we, we get a lot of rain. But out west, and, and I'll totally admit it, I don't, I'm ignorant of Western forestry, okay? It's not my, not my thing. But I do know that fuels build up over time. That, that I do know. So if you go bushwhacking around the Schwank Ridge, you will learn about fuels pretty fast. Is it possible that, you know, in so so much time, say 50, 100, 200 years, that the species you're talking about, red spruce, red maple, hemlock, begun to take over so much that it's no longer pyrogenic? It's I think some areas that have. Mesic forest? Yeah, I think the northern, that's a good question. I think the northern Schwank Ridge already has done that, like Mohonk. There's a little better soil below where the resort is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little more shale and not the white rock conglomerate, so it's less acidic. And trees are have taken over that site. In fact, there's there's sugar maple. You know, and, and, and you're like, well, how do you know it wasn't sugar maple always? Well, because there's pitch pine still in some of those stands. Okay, yeah. And, and it's getting shaded out. So, yes, absolutely, in the better sites where where they can't compete. On the very top, it will be always be difficult because it's just so damn shallow. Do you know what I mean? The soils, right? It's really shallow. A lot of those species we just talked about just can't possibly be there, yeah. even given time. They just can't do it. Right. And this is why some people may argue, well, maybe it's shallow because of all the burning. I think in part, yeah. But the white rock is there. I mean, just just by the glaciers. I mean, the chatter marks on the smooth rock on top. You can sleep on this rock, by the way. It's so smooth that you can lay down on it and... And feel nothing. It's like a, a rock bed. It's just smooth from the glaciers. Hmm. I remember when I was in school, in elementary school, they'd take us on field trips. You know, they'd be like, oh, look, Scott. You know, I was like, oh, you mean, you mean droppings? But anyway, that was like the big thing back then. They're always stopping for Scott. It's like, how many times are we going to look at this? But anyway, there would be rock. And then they would show us the chatter marks from the glaciers. And, and I thought that was cool. You know, you're seeing like literally grinding of a glacier, dragging rocks and erratics and stuff. You know, but um, so I don't think you can get over that. You see that in places in the Catskills. There's a there's a one place. Um, I'm not gonna say where it is because I don't want you know. It, let's, some things need to be a secret. But it's open to this day, not from fire. I don't think. And there's dwarf hemlock up there. I have pictures dwarf hemlock and dwarf cherry. Hmm. It's not too far. For, it's in the Slide Mountain Wilderness area. And but because the the bedrock is so at the surface, nothing can grow there. But low bush blueberry, dwarf hemlock. And dwarf black cherry. So, so yeah, I don't, I don't think so. But who knows? Um, over time, it does build up, right? But man, you scrape it away, and it's just when the sun. Sh- and plus, it's like it faces south, especially those sites that face south. The soil's frying. You know what I mean? Right. It just gets so hot. You probably could even get wind eroded or something. Yeah, man. It's just it's crazy. I wouldn't say water eroded because it's just so dry up there. Right. Yeah. There's no springs. Like, I was hard pressed to find water. I I filtered a, a puddle. I had to. There was no. That's all you had. You yeah. know, in the Catskills, it's we're blessed in the Catskills. It's a spring everywhere. It's like, a, oh, I can't find a stream. Big deal. I'll find a spring. You know, and there's got to be one around. You know, and they're all great. You know, there's whole valleys of springs. Right? We call them spring seeps. Not in the Schwank Ridge. Actually, you better have some water you bring up with you because there's probably none on top. That's a good question. How much did you bring? 
I brought only a cork. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm going next to the swampy area. There'll probably be some water there. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, it's pretty dry up here. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's I did find two weeks it was rain. surface water in yeah. this in this puddle. And I was like, I'm, I'm filtering it because yeah. I don't want to be dehydrated. And I know how that is. You wake up in the middle of the night and you got cotton mouth. And it's like, well, I'll fill- I had a filter, so. Right. You know, right. I have an MSR filter, so I used it. But if you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest, and tonight tonight's topic is Ryan's walk on the Schwanck Ridge. All right, so let's get into the wildlife. You know, we only got not much time left. So you got you can't talk about the Schwanck Ridge without talking about timber rattlers. Right. So Famous for rattlesnakes. The first day was cold and windy, and it was a little wet from the day before. So I was not concerned about bushwhacking through thick stuff, you know, with rattlesnakes. Shit, they're cold-blooded. They don't come out when it's cold like that. But the next day, as I previously stated, I was like, ah, yeah, they're going to be out. So this has happened to me before. Uh, Sometimes you're going down like a rocky area, rock outcrop, and you can rattle a rock, like a big boulder. And as soon as I did that, if there's a snake under there, they feel that vibration, they rattle. And boom, one rattled. I, the thing is, I walked right over him. And I saw his mouth open and, uh, you know, not the biggest snake, but um, big enough. I didn't have snake chaps on. A lot of people are probably like, oh, man, how can you not walk around there without snake chaps? I will in the future. Uh, it's just getting to a point where, like, I really don't feel like taking those chances anymore. Because if you're in the middle of nowhere... And you got to walk three, four miles out of the mountain with a snake bite. It's just, you know, peace of mind. Plus, you know what? It keeps out the litter anyway. Right of your boots, yeah. It does. So I had leather ones I made, but they're too thin. They're not rugged enough. The the ones that I made for this were just way too thin of leather. If I had leather made from a buck, it would have been thicker. But this was doe leather, and it's just so thin. So they're not going to hold up. So I ordered them from Cabela's uh, last night, like forty bucks. But um, but yeah. So rattlesnake, they are they are, and that thing was only uh hundred feet from where I slept under underneath the mountain. You know. But you crypt. said you stepped over it uh, on the way. To I that must rock? have because I looked back to where he was, and I was like, I just stepped over that. I didn't see him. There's no way I could see him. Yeah. They're camouflage. Right. I like timber rattlesnakes because. If, if I had to choose a snake, because they don't want to be messed with. They don't have a bad attitude. They let you know when they're pissed. And then they just sit there. They don't go after you. Those black snakes, man, scare the crap out of me. <laughs> Those rat one, snakes? One, one, yeah. I, no, it, well, they're like black racers. Some people call them a black snake. They get huge. And he, this one was standing, in, standing, laying in the middle of the trail facing me facing off at me they have a bad attitude i don't mm. mess with those they're not venomous but i don't like snakes i've never been one of those guys like let's hold the snake kids you know i'm not not doing it i don't touch snakes i respect them and that's it were you one of those kids who are like let's touch everyone pet the snake i don't i still i don't like snakes now no way my kids they brought a snake to Aniora central school and maple is like holding the snake i'm like i wouldn't even do that i don't like I, snakes when we went to montana last september it just it was fresh in my mind because there was a rattlesnake in the road as we're driving up to where we're going to go. 
Yeah. And so snakes around my mind, right? Prairie rattlers right there. We just drove by it. And we're walking up this drainage. And when you're in the prairies, you know, the grass is pretty grazed. There's a lot of cattle out there. And you can, you see. can see anything. Yeah. We're in a drainage. So it's kind of like what you're talking about on the ridge where you're walking through the blueberry. Yeah. That's like that height of vegetation. Yeah. And you're walking. It's hard. It's dense. It's hard. It's dense. And my right foot comes on something that squishes. Oh, I look down and a snake is rolling over under my foot. Oh man! And you just see his belly come up, and of course, rattlesnakes on my mind because oh I just God. saw one. And oh yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah, it was not cool. Let's just say, it, did your if your wife had it on the phone recorded? <laughs> yeah, she, she was there. She she could describe what came out of my mouth, but. and i jumped out of there and like i don't even know what it was i couldn't tell you if it was a rattlesnake i couldn't tell you if anything else i have no idea i didn't look back but (laughs) all of a sudden there's a snake in snake country under your foot no it's bad not good i almost stepped on one in the middle of a trail but i didn't squish it if i had done that but and it always seems to happen in the middle of nowhere yeah, I was on a trail at least, yeah, five miles each way, mm. no matter where I went from the road. And it's just like, give me a break, man. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, like I said, rattlesnakes, uh, copperheads, you know, I don't really come across them too often. But, uh, and I, I've always heard they have a bad attitude, but I don't have as much experience with them, even though they're very numerous on the Schwank Ridge. But they're more in moist woodlands and stuff. And uh, But the rattlesnakes, they they just want to be left alone, you know? So And they only strike unless you mess with them, which I kind of like them. But, uh, okay, so that's rattlesnakes. What <laughs> else did I see? Oh, yeah, birds. Lots of blue jays. Eastern towhee is like... The most common bird. Yeah, I remember that when I was up there. You hear it. You do hear it around here, but up there, it's like it's like all you hear. Drink your tea. Drink yeah. your tea. Drink your tea. Drink your tea. They're yeah. everywhere. Yeah, they like those open areas, and there's plenty of open areas. But here's the coolest bird up there on the ridge that I have never heard really, maybe once ever anywhere else is the whippoorwill. Wow, up there. Oh, they're they're up there, and cool. I heard it in May. Uh, they're more common in the summer. Yeah. And here's the coolest thing about this bird is that it's nocturnal. So there's no other bird out at night <laughs> that makes that sings. Whippoorwill, 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 over and over again. Um, according to uh, Audubon, I think it was someone actually recorded 1,088 successive whippoorwills in a row. <laughs> <laughs> the guy was trying and trying and trying, not not working out for I him. I camped up there with a friend, and I first time I ever heard the whippoorwill, he's like, gets annoying after a while, doesn't it? And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I think I'll just keep doing it. <laughs> uh, in May, I only heard it a few times, then he went away. What I didn't realize is I never looked up this bird online. It's a really cool-looking bird. It's really weird-looking, camouflage-looking, just strange-looking bird. Yeah, they're related to the nighthawks, right? It's in the nightjar family. Oh, nightjar. I don't know what that means. Do you? Uh, I, I think its cousin is the nighthawk, and that bird gets mistaken a lot. Not around here. So it's not around here, but southern part of the states. Um, for an injured bird, people always, someone, they always think something's wrong with it and call animal control or whatever, but it's just a bird that lays on the ground. It doesn't move. 
Really? See, it's hard to disturb it, hard to get it out of the way. Well, the whippoorwill, the reason why it seems to be unique to the Schwang Ridge is because of habitat, mm-hmm. right? Sixty, uh, According to uh, Wikipedia, six, since the 1970s to 2014, the whippoorwill's population has decreased by 60%. And uh, I think it's mostly because of habitat. I would think they, you know, they claim pesticides development, but the it need this is a bird that it's ground nesting bird. In fact, it doesn't even build a damn nest. It just lays its eggs on the floor, floor is <laughs> floor, and then during the day it just lays on the ground. So <laughs> you could imagine that it wouldn't be very good in the Hudson Valley or the Catskills where there's no cover five feet down. It'd be like, hey, I'm, you want to eat me now or, or whatever. Right. And then at night, it feeds on insects. So, yeah, it needs... The Schwank Bridge got plenty of cover and insects flying around. So, that's why it's up there. Cool. Know? Another reason to burn it. Another reason to burn the daylights out of it. Although, I would think that it needs the growth after the burn. So yeah. where I was didn't burn, and it's thick. That's what it loves. Yeah, but like we talked about, one day it's going to be uh, you know too far gone. Totally, totally. So um, culturally, the whippoorwill is pretty cool. You know, this bird has come to symbolize Schwank Ridge, and uh, others have, have have said related to the mountains. Like uh, there's a poem called "The Mountain Whippoorwill." by Stephen Vincent Benet, and he identifies the bird with lonely and poor but vibrant life of mountain people. It's kind of true. If you look up whippoorwill, uh, you'll see a lot of associations or being or it being synonymous with, with mountain culture. Probably more to the south of us, to be honest. Not necessarily northern mountains, but more like southern. Again, the Schwank Ridge is kind of like a, uh, a northern extension of, of southern culture, I would say. I don't know. I mean, it is... Geographically speaking, or geologically, it is a northern extension of southern mountains. It becomes, if you're not familiar with it, it becomes the Kittatinny Ridge, which becomes the Blue Mountain Ridge in uh, in Pennsylvania. They call it the Blue Mountain River. And then it becomes the Blue Ridge in Virginia. It's that uh, range and basin that goes all the way into Virginia, Shenandoah and all that. Mm-hmm. That's the same, same mountain range. So it literally is. I'm not just uh, saying culturally here. But... Uh, Let's see. What else? Turkey buzzards. I saw a lot of turkey buzzards up there. They ride the thermals on this ridge. Perfect th- thermal. Yeah. Yeah. They're everywhere up there. I, whether they're turkey vulture, black vultures or turkey buzzards, I think they're buzzards because they're a little bigger than the black, smaller vulture. Yeah. Black vultures have stubbier, rounded wings. Okay. Yeah. I think they were uh, buzzards. Yeah. They're a little, like... Stouter and rounder. You ever notice that people look down on turkey buzzards? We had a whole they're show. They're like, oh, it's a hawk. It. Then you're like, no, oh, it's a turkey buzzard. And you're like, oh. What do you mean, oh? This bird is awesome. It does it just rides, glides around. If you mm-hmm. wanted to come back as another animal, besides a flying squirrel, I would come back as a buzzard. They don't do anything. They don't even grow or fat. they just eat dead meat, so they don't have to do much. They have a remember a tremendous sense of smell for a bird, which is weird. And uh, they just glide around all day. They have to flap their damn wings. Yeah. Come on. And they get to see all the views. I have all the views, man. Oh, there's a lot of planes up there. Holy cow, man. Ellenville Airport, a little little what, Cessnas, whatever you want to call them, just flying around all oh, day yeah? long. They yeah. give tours to people, maybe? Well, there's a little airport. I mean, just hobby, recreational flying. Hmm. 
Yeah, so there's constantly planes going by all the time. Um, grouse, actually, I only saw one. That's unusual? Do you I normally know. see some? Yeah, I feel like I do. Huh. So I, you know, I don't want to tell you. Woodcock, I didn't hear any. Uh, it's getting a little late, but I guess I heard one a week ago. But you want to know the weirdest thing? This is going to blow your mind. What? This is really strange. This freaked me out a little bit. Oh? Okay, thick vegetation. Yes. Chest deep. Guess what, what I net and pick one off of? Tick. Not one. Really? I'm, I don't understand it. Usually I'm loaded with ticks. I didn't pick off one stinking tick. Now, this year has been atrocious for ticks, so there's definitely something going on in the ridge. I didn't pick off a tick. What the hell is going on? I don't know. I'm at my camps. I'm like, all right, let me check myself for tick. There's not one tick. I mean, I went to the Vernoy kill the other week and just crossed this little field and... As I'm walking, there's ticks crawling up my pant legs. Mm -hmm. I was like, forget I'll just wait until I'm across it, and then I'll pick them off. This is ridiculous. I mean, there must have been like, you know, I don't know. A lot of ticks, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Why yeah. do you think? I have no idea. I had my there's daily fires? ticks on me today in Bovina. Do fires reduce them? I mean, what the heck is going on? Maybe it is fires. But didn't you say you normally have them up there? What? Ticks. Yeah, I feel like I do. I mean, Jesus. There should be ticks everywhere up there. Okay? I mean, it maxes out only at 2,000 elevation, 2,000 feet, okay? So we're not talking like, well, it's too cold or something. I mean, you know, height from 2,000 feet to a little over, a little less than 400 feet. There should be ticks somewhere. Right. No. So anyway, if anyone uh, can figure that out for me... Um, yeah, please give us a call because I have no idea. I don't think it has anything to do with, with the cold. I had my dog up at 2,600 feet the other day, and she was loaded, loaded with ticks. Right. That's 2,600 feet. That's mm -hmm. five, 600 feet more than I was. Right. Yeah. So I don't know what to tell you. Um, there was one area where I saw the deer were going past that ephemeral stream, and uh, eventually one walked up on me and snorted. So I heard a deer. There's not many deer. I mean, I can't say there's not many deer up there. You see sign. It's just so thick you can't see him. Mm -hmm. This deer was probably only 30 yards from me, and I could not get a, couldn't get eyes on it. There's just so much, so much cover. Mm. You know, hunting up there would be like hell. Yeah, I'm, you, I bet. He's <laughs> just, you just basically have to sit and wait or something, because you, because as soon as you walk and bushwhack anywhere, you're basically telling the whole woods that you're in there. Cause, you know. But um, it can be done, I guess. And again, it used to be more accessible. People in the in the 60s and 70s and 80s used to drive up to High Point and go hunt from there. And then if they got a deer, they only had to drag it to that road and out. Now, you'd have to drag it all the way to the Interpretive Center, you know. I, I don't know. That sounds like hell on earth. But um, let's see here. What else? What else we got here, John? Um... Uh, Bears. Bears. Oh, yeah. Saw a bear on the way out, almost to Ellenville. Basically, I knew it was a bear before I saw it because first I thought it was a deer. This happens, right, to you, where you, you hear something running away, and then it kind of, like, doesn't run away. And then you realize, I don't think it really heard me, you know? And then it kind of, like, is just walking back and forth, and you're like, all right, that's a bear. Because bears, 
it probably never even heard you, the damn thing. You know what I mean? It probably just walking around, looking underneath rocks, flipping them over. Mm-hmm. Bears, they kind of like lose track of themselves when they're in the woods. Boy, especially when they're feeding. It's I had one in bow season this year. I tried to stalk a bear in open hardwoods with my bow, and I came not not far. I was, I like, have, I was like 60 yards from it. I uh, Four years ago, and that warm, whenever that really warm opening day was, yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. 70s. Yep. I was in Slide Mount Wilderness area in just below a big mountain, okay? And I was like, it sounds like a guy walking back and forth. It was a bear, and we got a minute left, but... I just rock hopped within 35 yards of it just, and aimed in on I was like, I am not shooting this bear of where I am. It was a big bear. It was at least 250, big enough to wear. There's no way. You got I'm some work ahead of you. Plus, you had all that heat to deal with. But, uh, yeah, no. It's I, amazing. They just lose track of who they are, what they're doing. I got bored and just walked away. I don't think you ever saw me. <laughs> yeah, I've done that before. I've yeah. skirted around bears in the woods just laying down and they've Never picked their head up. It's crazy. So if you missed the show, tonight's show was uh, Ryan's Walk on the Schwang Ridge. And uh, next week it'll be um, Zane and John. I will not be here, but uh, have a good night and take care. Good night, everyone. All right. Oh, the neon lights were flashing and the icy wind did blow. Seeped into his shoes and the drizzle turned to snow His eyes were red, his hopes were dead And the wine was running low Then the old man came home From the forest His tears fell on the sidewalk As he stumbled in the street A dozen faces stopped to stare But no one stopped to For his castle was a hallway and the bottle was his friend And the old man stumbled in from the forest Up a dark and dingy staircase the old man made his way His ragged coat around him as upon his cot he lay
Oh, the old man has come home. 